0: So that we take in this message and that we take it from here lord and we share
1: it throughout the community to others lord as we're on a holiday weekend if we have friends and family around lord if they didn't come with us this morning let us take this message back and share it with them it's in jesus name that i ask these things amen you guys can be seated also if we have any of the kids that uh are here they can go to their classes now but Uh, Good morning, church. How are you today? Very good. Uh, How do do we raise this thing? Is that the one? There we go. I'm going to have to get a taller worship leader. Uh, That would help. Uh, Glad that you're here. We have a new sound system. So uh, if the audio in here sounds a little bit different, uh, that's because they are uh, tweaking and, and making things sound good here. Hopefully online they'll be able to uh, not only see us a little bit better, hear us a little bit better. There's no camera here in the front row, so uh, that's always a good thing. But uh, uh, again, the goal is to make sure that as we present the gospel of Jesus Christ and we can do so clearly and effectively in order to reach people uh, for his kingdom. And so we're thankful for the tech tech team, but I can also say that Charles would like uh, more volunteers. Uh, and so if you're interested in being a part of that, uh, see Charles after the service. Uh, my understanding is the new system is, is dummy proof. So it's Jeff approved, okay? That means I could even run it. Uh, so if you think oh, I don't have any skills or uh, any kind of engineering background, that's okay. They can teach you how to run that and, and you can be effective for that. So if you would open your Bibles to Philippians chapter one will be our text here this morning. And you know, there are certain commands or phrases in the scripture that that really sound good in theory, but are difficult to practice. Uh, Think about if your enemy strikes you across the face that you are to turn the other cheek. Sounds good, but not easy to do. Also, we're instructed to love our enemies. That's difficult. Uh, As Paul writes that that when we give, that, that God loves a cheerful giver. Hey, I, I can give, but to be happy about it sometimes is, is tough. And there's a command today that I think uh, really stands out. It's, it almost seems too ridiculous to live up to. And it's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, be joyful always. I mean, if it said be joyful part of the time, I could do that. Be joyful most of the time, it's a stretch. If it said just try to be joyful, try, try to, to find positives in every situation. Okay, I can handle that, but be joyful always. Who can really do that? Well, it's the people that don't have jobs, don't have kids, don't have bills, don't have responsibilities is the guy that can uh has enough money that he owns a private beach a private island somewhere and he gets to sit out there and and uh, uh have fruit cocktail drinks or whatever and just enjoy the day that guy could probably be joyful always but for us living in the real world that's tough to do in fact i read this and i wonder what kind of lollipop rainbow world paul lived in when he wrote this because in the real world There's a lot of problems. We encounter a lot of people that seem to just make it their mission to suck the joy out of life. Okay, you may know some of those people. You may be sitting by some of those people. But we deal with that all the time. And I read this, I think, this can't be right. And yet, Paul, when he writes this, he understands the hardships of life. He's no stranger to trouble. In fact, we read about his own life. This is what he said that occurred in his ministry in 2 Corinthians 11. He says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure, my concerns for all the church. See, not only did Paul attend the school of hard knocks, he graduated with honors. So Paul understands the difficulties of life. In fact, when I look at that list and compare the things that Paul went through and then think of the things that go on in my life, my first world problems, I get a little bit embarrassed at the things that steal my joy in this world. And there's tough things. Sure, the, the transmission goes out on the second car, so we have to carpool in one car. That's frustrating. That's frustrating when your kids crack the screen of the iPad. Some of you get frustrated when they the coffee shop forgets the whipped cream on top of your grande quad, so skinny, soy skinny, sugar-free, three-pump mocha latte with caramel drizzle. I have to say that, right, read, read that, because I don't drink coffee. So when my wife asked me to order for it, it's like, write it down, because I'll mess it up. But some of us get upset on those little things that happen in our life. It's enough to ruin our day. In fact, for for some, especially the the younger generation, teens, uh, you know, the biggest threat to their happiness is not having Wi-Fi. I remember one time our Wi-Fi went out in our house for a week. A whole week, people. I like, see you're not as sympathetic as what the, this called for. I mean, I remember my family, my uh, daughter was a teenager at the time, we'd just huddle in the front room, not knowing what to do with our lives because we had no Wi Fi. Just every five minutes, someone would check, go, nope, still not on. It was a difficult week, and if you've got uh, teenagers, you know that Wi Fi is more important to them than oxygen. For some of us, when we think about the hardships that we go through life, the things that make us mad, the things that ruin our day, <laughs> really are nothing more than just inconveniences compared to the hardships that are out there. But here's Paul, who had to endure physical threats to his life, to his comfort, to his ministry, and yet he still writes this, to be joyful always. Understand, this is not just Paul's idea of what your life should be. Look in the verse, it says, pray continually and give thanks to in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So this isn't just Paul's advice for you to have a happy life. He says, you know, God wills this for you. If you're in Christ Jesus, this is what God wants is that you have this continuous joy and that we experience in him. And we have great reason for this joy as Christians, don't we? I mean, we've been blessed by God, we've been chosen by him, brought into his family. Our sins are forgiven. Uh, we received his love, his grace, his mercy, and we are blessed. If we have nothing else to, to, to find joy about, we can just go back to this idea that we have salvation, and salvation itself is reason enough. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, however, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written. So if there's one overarching uh, reason for us to have joy in this world is because our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That, that when all this is over, that we have something incredible to look forward to in God's heavenly kingdom. See, that promise overshadows any problems or any people that we encounter here in this world. Where we stumble in this area is the fact that Too often times we take our eyes off of that promise. And we focus on the negative. We focus on the problems. We focus on on the people. And and whatever we give our attention to, we give power to. We allow these things to control us because it's what consumes us. And yet if we could just take our eyes off this world, we'd be amazed at how it will change our attitude. That's why even Paul says in Colossians 3, since then you have been raised with Christ Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with Him in glory. They're saying that we die. That what that's referring to is when we surrendered ourselves to Jesus Christ. It's our conversion that we died to the old self, we died to the things of this world, understanding we are now eternal people loved by an eternal heavenly father who has an eternal reward for us. And so we are to be longing for heaven. Many of the disappointments that we deal with in this life are certainly just because because we just don't like the way our lives are going. We just want something better. We get frustrated. You know, maybe uh, you're single now and you thought by now you'd be married or by now you'd have children or by now you'd have a better job or be promoted up or, or you'd be more financially stable. By now you'd have a bigger house, you'd travel more. You have a heart for the things of this world and because you haven't obtained them yet, it frustrates you. It causes you to be bitter. And that's what scripture's saying is don't think about the things of this world. Long for the things that really matter, the things that, that absolutely you cannot lose once you obtain them in heaven. We are set our hearts above, set our minds above, and start obsessing over the things that are wrong in this life and focus on what is right in this life. And when we can do that, then we can find the joy that Paul's talking about. See, building all this up, because today we're starting a new series in the book of Philippians series is simply called Radical Joy, and the reason for this idea of joy is that Philippians has been called the Epistle of Joy, because in just four chapters of this letter, Paul uses the word joy over 16 times. He repeats this word because he wants us to understand the importance of joy in the Christian life. He also uses the word Christ 50 times, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Christ and joy go hand in hand. Because when you're in Christ Jesus, that is the source of the joy in your life. Now, we also know that when Paul wrote this letter, he was in prison in Rome. So this is kind of interesting that here in Rome, in a dark, probably damp prison cell, he pens this letter telling other Christians to have joy in their life. Now, I've never been to prison. I've not spent the night in jail, but I'm just going to assume what I've seen on... On TV and some reality shows, that that's not a joyful place. That people aren't just sitting around and enjoying having the time of their lives. Go, wow, this is great! I should came out sooner. I would assume it's a very depressing place, a place where, where you, all you can think about is trying to get out. And yet, Paul writes this incredible letter, encouraging the church to think beyond their circumstances, and instead of being angry with God. Paul finds joy even in his circumstance. And so we look and just read through some of these areas and and we see some of the joy stealers that Paul was facing. These are some of the same things that come in our life and try to steal our joy. And and as we read through this, we begin to just learn from Paul's example. How do we overcome? How do we overcome a, a bad situation or circumstances that come up in our life? How do we overcome just a bad attitude? How can we make that that change in the way we look at life. Well, let's look at some of these joy stealers. The first one we see off the bat is simply change, the change in our life. Look at Philippians chapter one, let's start verse 12. It says, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And he's referring to his arrest and imprisonment. He says, as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Paul's saying, Because of my arrest? The gospel has been able to expand and have an even greater impact. Understand that Paul was literally chained to a Roman guard. See, back in Rome, the guards, uh, They were under oath, and if they lost a prisoner, a prisoner escaped, it would cost that guard his own life. And so they just chained him to that that guard. And so here you have Paul who couldn't eat, sleep, read, even use the restroom with any privacy whatsoever. He always had someone there. I don't know how long the chain was, but it had to be annoying that he couldn't do anything without someone looking over his shoulder. For a lot of us, that would be a great burden in our life, but Paul saw it as a great opportunity for evangelism. Because even though Paul was chained to this guard, this guard was chained to Paul. So that means that whenever Paul talked about scripture, whenever he sang praises to God, whenever he prayed, whenever brothers or sisters in Christ would visit him in jail and he would counsel them, or whether he just wanted to engage that guard in conversation, that guard couldn't go anywhere. He was chained to Paul, so he heard every word. And normally, uh, there's a, it took, uh, the Roman guards took six-hour shifts, which means that Paul could witness to four different guards every single day. As a result, verse 13, it says, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. I notice he didn't say that every guard has now become a Christian. The, the whole house guards are all being converted. Paul doesn't say that. He said, but now they know. They know who I am. They know what I'm about. They've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, our job is to simply to sow seeds. And what happens beyond that is up to that person and God. But Paul used that opportunity to continue to fulfill his mission of sharing Christ. And Just the fact that he was in chains was of no consequence to him just changed his audience. And it changed who he shared his faith with. And I know as we talk about change that today none of us are in any literal changes, chains in our life. I mean, you're not chained to anybody or anything. But we have figurative change. Things that happen in our life, things that, there are circumstances that make us feel confined, constricted, feel like they control our life. Maybe you're in a dead end job right now. You just can't get out, you applied, applied, and you can't seem to find anywhere else, and every day you go up and go to a job and you feel like you're in chain, maybe you got a health issue that you're facing right now, something chronic, maybe uh, from an accident earlier, maybe an injury uh, from the past, or maybe some kind of handicap that you're born with, and, and you think, well, oh, if I could just feel better, life would be better, maybe it's a relationship issue, maybe you're single, and you see that as a, as a chain in your life because you want to be married. Or maybe you're a single parent who doesn't have someone to shoulder the responsibility of parenting with you. And it just all comes on you. And I get those circumstances that they feel difficult. They feel overwhelming a lot of times. And yet, it's easy to feel trapped by our circumstances. But if we can make that shift in our thinking that God has put us in situations that he can deliver us from, that he can help us overcome and even in those situations we have the opportunity to glorify god even in those situations we have the opportunity to share christ with others uh, if you, you can hate your job but love the people you work with and be kind to them and just be an example of christ to them uh, maybe you're in the hospital all the time but but you come in contact with different doctors or nurses or people in the waiting room, and, and, and you just have those those small windows of opportunity to share your faith or to, to just share your hope in Jesus Christ and let them see the joy in your life. If you're single, maybe this is an opportunity that God's allowing you to, you're free to to maybe experience ministry or even uh, go on a, a mission trip that, that you probably wouldn't be able to do if if you had family responsibilities. If you're a single parent, then, then you are the primary influence on your children. Strive to be a godly father or godly mother to them and allow them to see your faith at work in your life so that they may be raised up in this truth. See, whatever circumstance we have that we think that somehow this is, is too much, that God can't use me in this, I'm telling tell you, God says, no, there's a way. You just take your eyes off of the things of this world. Take your eyes off of the negative and I can show you how your life can be transformative to those around you. God has called us uh, to walk in joy, and that joy still can be shared to others, even in this our chains. The The second joy sealer we have is simply critics. Critics, again, look there at verse 15. Paul writes, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that what what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now, it's incredible to think that even in jail, Paul had to deal with critics. See, throughout Paul's ministries, he planted churches and built up elders and leaders within those churches and move on to plant another church. There were other leaders that would come in behind Paul, and they began to preach and teaching. They, they weren't, these weren't false teachers. They still preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they had wrong motives. They didn't like that everyone loved Paul. And so they kind of used that opportunity, especially when Paul was arrested, to somehow uh, turn the hearts of the church from seeing Paul as their key leader and to themselves. They see that opportunity. Uh, it says that Paul, uh, Paul says that they preached out of selfish ambition and stirred up trouble. And that stirring up trouble, uh, it it literally means uh, electioneering. It's like a a politician who's campaigning for your vote. Uh, We're moving into one of my least favorite times uh, of life, election year, you know? And then how fall, it's it's gonna be crazy seeing all the ads on TV and seeing the things back and forth that's said and how the candidates will tear each other down. Well, that's exactly what Paul's experiencing, but what's weird is he's experiencing it from other preachers. People who've gone into churches and they're tearing him down, tearing his reputation down, saying, you don't want to listen to Paul, listen to me. And I, I got to be honest, that would be absolutely devastating to pour your heart into a church and, and to have someone come in and just absolutely tear up your personal reputation when all you try to do is to share Christ with others. And what's really sad is the people in the church started to believe these other teachers. These are churches that, that Paul started. These are people that he converted. These are people that he discipled. And those people started to listen to these critics and began to, to uh, think negatively about Paul. And this response came back to Paul. Instead of being upset, instead of looking and saying, you know, I can't believe these people turned on me. Of all I've done for them, this is how they treat me, how they think of me. Paul says, what does it mean? What does it matter, my personal reputation? Paul didn't preach so that people would know the name of Paul. He preached so people would know the name of Jesus Christ. He says, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true motives, Christ is preached. That's the name that he wanted exalted. That's what he wanted in everyone's hearts, and everyone's minds, that Jesus Christ is Lord. He said, if they continue to preach about Jesus, I don't care what they say about me. And as long as the gospel of Jesus Christ is advanced, he says, because of this, I will rejoice. So instead of worrying about protecting his own uh, personal reputation, Paul says, as long as the church advances, as long as people are coming to Christ, that's all that matters, and I find joy in that. So we talk about radical joy. Here's an example of radical joy. It doesn't matter as long as Christ is being preached. And I wonder for you and for me, are we that gracious to others? Especially to critics, when people come to, and begin to speak negatively about us, about our reputation, about our character, are we that gracious? You let those critics and the criticisms roll off your back, are we quick to defend? Quick to, to fight back and to attack? See, there's no doubt you have critics in your life. And it seems like now more than ever with the advent of social media, there's more critics in the world because people can hide safely behind a phone screen or keyboard and say whatever they want. And there's been a lot of hurtful things that are put out in social media, whether it be from a complete stranger or whether it be from a Facebook friend. No matter what words come to us, if they're negative, they hurt. We all respond to that. No matter how tough you feel, no matter how, I I don't care what people think, you read it, you hear it, it hurts. And some wounds go deeper than others, especially those that are wielded by our family members. Maybe you're still carrying around some negativity of words that your father said to you when you were a child. Or maybe even now your parents still compare you to a sibling. Why can't you be like your brother? Why can't you be like your sister? And those words just cut. Maybe it's a friend or a former friend that that likes to talk about you and and bring up your past and gossip about you. It could be even somebody from your church. That's the harshest one I've been in church all my life. Let me tell you, there are some of the coolest, nastiest people in the church. The things they say and what they criticize. We like to say we could just ignore all those things, but but they hold with us. And sometimes those words stick around and echo in our head for a lifetime. So how do we deal with criticism? How do we deal with critics? When someone says something negative about us, how do we respond You say, I know what you are, but what am I? Well, that worked when I was in second grade. I didn't know if it worked, but that's what But it doesn't really work now. So, so what do we do? Well, there's a few things that we can do. Uh, First, we just ask the question, what can I learn from the criticism? What can I learn from it? Is there something that they're saying that that may be true? You know, we can always respond to suggestions, but not the tone. Sometimes critics are right. Sometimes what they say about, we don't like the delivery, don't like the intent. Maybe they just said it to hurt us, but, but maybe what they're saying is actually true. There's something we can learn. And so sometimes it's just listen to the suggestion. Don't ignore the message just because of the messenger. Value criticism. Value the opportunity to grow. Proverbs talks a lot about how the wise man values rebuke. The fool injects it because he doesn't want to hear anything negative. The wise man wants to grow. Uh, Learn not to take things personally, but also learn to ignore false criticism. There's going to be things that people say about you that just aren't true. You've got to learn to, to just kind of ignore those and just give it to God and say, God, this is what's being said about me. Will you please defend me? I'm not gonna fight back on Facebook. I'm not gonna say anything back to, to the other person, but I need you to affirm my innocence and defend my honor. Hallelujah. I've had that prayer multiple times. God has a way of ensuring that those who truly know and trust him that they understand truth, that they're in the, the third thing that we see, the third joy stealer. That Paul faces is just simply crisis we have change we have critics now we have crisis look at verse 20 Paul writes I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain if I'm to go on living in my body this will mean fruitful labor for me Yet, I, what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow you know, see this dilemma that, that Paul's facing. He's in prison in Rome. The time that Nero is the Roman emperor. and You know from history that Nero was a wicked, wicked man, immoral uh, to the hell. He murdered political rivals, including his own mother. Uh, he bankrupt the city of Rome to build a, a palace complex that included a 100-foot bronze statue of himself. But Nero, Nero's more famous for burning a section of Rome in order to make room for this palace. And when the citizens began to, to revolt, instead of taking the blame, he pointed the fingers at Christians. And this marked the worldwide persecution of Christians of that day and all the things you've read about, heard about with Christians being into the arena with wild animals and being slaughtered by gladiators and those things. This is, this is the spawn of that because of Nero. And so as Paul says, I'm waiting in Rome, and of course, this is before the widespread persecution, but but everyone knew of Nero's immorality and his cruelty. Paul says, I'm waiting to, to have my case brought before him, understanding that he didn't know what was gonna happen. He didn't know if Nero was gonna actually listen, be reasonable that day, or if he was just gonna send him out to be killed. He said, so every day he woke up, he, he faced his choice, do I do life or death do I do I even want to stay here and he says you know for me uh to live as Christ to die is gain he said I've got this choice And as long as I'm here I can minister to you I can help you grow in your faith and share in the joy that's in Christ Jesus but I gotta tell you if I die there's a far greater reward waiting for me that's a tough choice see for most of us we just say we want life be an easy choice we want to stay here God we got family we got friends we got jobs we got responsibilities we want to stay here Paul understood what waited for him he said there's this dilemma this crisis and the truth be told it really wasn't Paul's choice it was Nero's choice because Paul just had to wait it out and and to see what was going to happen but imagine this tension that he faced daily and some of you can imagine that because you're under that kind of stress today you're in crisis mode You don't know what tomorrow will bring. Maybe you have a child who's going down the wrong path and and just every day you fear you're going to get that phone call that says they're back in jail or worse yet, that they've overdosed. Maybe your ex is threatening to take you back to court for more money. Maybe more custody of your kids and you're under that stress. Maybe you're waiting for the doctor to call back for the results of the test there's a lot of stress that we're under right now. as people in your life. Tomorrow may be a big day that you're waiting to hear some, some big news. And, and the truth of the matter is that, we have, that none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. That's what Scripture says, that none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. We get lured into a false sense of security, but for some, that security is being threatened. Even in the time of crisis, even in a time of uncertainty, we have this command, be joyful always. Be joyful always. from Paul's example, the joy that we have is beyond what we face here in this world, but the promises that lay in heaven. And so through this study, we're going to look at how to have joy in our lives. We're going to look at some. Characteristics that bring fruit in our lives that will generate that joy that we need to lean into. So, this morning, I just want to kind of close it out by asking you this What are the things in your life that are still in your joy today? What are the pressures, the problems, the obstacles, the circumstances that right now you're going through that just every time you think about it, your, your blood pressure goes up, you become frustrated, you become angry just don't know how to get out of that situation? What are some of the chains that you feel like are limiting you? Who are some of the critics that are, are speaking against you? What are the crisis that's scaring you? We need to identify those things, and today the challenge is simply this to the just identify and say, God, I, I have anxiety about this. I have fear about this. I need help. It's controlling me. Father, I want to be under your control. I want the spirit to lead me in all things so this morning as we close out just what is that thing in your life or maybe it's multiple things So as we take the time now let's go to prayer let's just give those over to god pray with me great heavenly father we thank you for this day we thank you for your great truth that in all circumstances we can have joy it's a choice that we make and lord i prayed this morning that that hearing some of the problems, some of the uh, people and circumstances that are stealing joy out of our lives. Lord, we know you're the God over them and that you control them and that they should have no power over us because we have your power working in our lives. Lord, I pray right now for those who are hurting, for those who are struggling. Fathers, we talk about joy. Let it not be something in theory, but let it be something our faith is in you. You are God. You give us joy because you give us salvation, and you we find out. We praise you and we follow you Amen. You know, yesterday we celebrated uh, our nation's independence. Always you know, a, a big day, July Fourth, a big weekend, uh, and we should celebrate that. There's something wonderful uh, about living in a country where we have certain freedoms. But one of the things I love every Sunday is that we partake in communion and this is our chance as Christians to celebrate our freedom in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17 says that the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. So many people think that being a Christian somehow confines or constrains us but it really doesn't. It frees us. It frees us from our sin, frees us from the penalty of death frees us to know God and the purpose that he created us for so as we move into a time of communion you know, we can play the song and just at your convenience you can come up and, and take the emblems, but just meditate and use this as an opportunity to celebrate and thank God for the freedom he's given you, given you through Christ Jesus
0: Every high and every low Remind me once again Just who I am Because I need to know Ooh-oh. You say I'm love when I can't feel a thing And you say I'm strong I am weak And you You say Oh
1: Thank you for being here. Those who are online joining us as well, we're so grateful uh, to worship together. Again, we're starting this series, so next week we'll continue on in Philippians and just talk about joy and how to cultivate that in our lives. And, and as always, um, we, we don't want anyone to leave here. If There's some burden on your heart. There's something that, that God's stirring within you. We want to give you an opportunity to make that decision. If you're in-house, I'm going to be up front. Just come down. We'll talk. We'll pray online, then, then put that in the comment section or call the church office this week because we don't want anyone to, to toil uh, with confusion about who God is and His plan for their life. And so uh, we're available all but if God's moving in your heart. Uh, I'll be right here. Let's talk and see what He's trying to say to you. So uh, if not, then uh, hope you have a great week and, and be blessed. Thank you.